The Hawaii Sports Radio Network on 95.1 FM and AM 760 presents Wake Up in the Den with Kuwale Agbayani. Good morning, beautiful people. It's Wake Up in the Den, Kuwale Agbayani and Paul Brecht. Happy Aloha Friday. Here we are. End of the week, getting ready for the weekend. Lots to get into today, especially we got a lot of basketball talk to recap and a great win by the Rainbow Wahine yesterday. Uh, not so much by the men um, last night, but definitely Paul will give you your insights on that as I was not able to make it to Taylor Swift night for the University of Hawaii men's true basketball. True was there. Yeah, true Swifties were there, but I was unfortunately not able to go. We'll also hear the... Uh, good portion of the post game from head coach Iran Ganat so that you can hear it from him and his thoughts on the game against UC Irvine and that loss. But uh, first things first, want to get into some football as we're headed into NFL wildcard weekend. Yes, it is here. It's ticking down a lot of stuff going on. It's funny because I listen to our friends at VSIN and it's, it's interesting when you start listening to it like in the beginning of the week and then the week starts going on and things start changing. I think right before we jumped on, they were talking about how the Rams look like one of the teams that they're looking at some of one of the upsets to to go down, which I'm sure our guy Michael Escaro is very happy if that happens with the Conversely, Rams. So Canola Lakey wouldn't be. We oh, were yeah. picking on him a little bit post game <laughs> last night, um, kind of being like, "Did you make sure that you didn't have anything scheduled for this weekend, so you're not booked?" Or <laughs> you know, and, and I think it was Wes who was like, "You know, I I know that this weekend normally you don't have to worry about the playoffs with the Lions." I know. Now it's like, "Oh my gosh, what am I going to well, do this weekend?" Kanoa's exact <laughs> response was something that a tr- every true fan of their sports team would say. And it was, well, it doesn't matter because we're going to lose because Stafford's going to come rip our heart out. <laughs> sounds about right. What's and, weird because a lot of people project them to kind of win right now. They are only a three-point favorite playing at home and hosting Matthew Stafford and Los Angeles Rams. But we'll see what happens. I'd, I'd, I'd like for them to go far because, like I keep saying, you know, the Detroit Lions are in the same division as the Chicago Bears. So they need to enjoy this last bit of success that they have because next year is our year so go on with your bad self lions but now that we have michael on our team i gotta cheer for the rams too because he's our guy so (laughs) either way like anything else just want good football before we get into some of the other matchups though i want to bring this up because paul the other day uh it's funny because i was i didn't get to our dang youtube thing but i was at least at the very least going to post the clip and the rant that maybe I still might post it, even though it, it's technically dated, but it was just so hilarious when I was watching it back that Paul was very adamant about the Bill Belichick thing. So we recorded it prior to the official announcement that the New England Patriots and Bill Belichick chose to part ways. However, Mike Vrabel had gotten fired by the Tennessee Titans. So Paul was very adamant about like, you know what, the Patriots are going to hire Mike Vrabel because everyone was shocked. The football world, for those that don't follow the oh Titans. My God. The football world was shocked because Mike Vrabel has seemed to be fine in Tennessee and seemed to be doing the the right things. They've been competitive uh, time and time again, but nonetheless, no one can still no one still can no one can figure out why Tennessee did that. However, Paul was in the mindset that the New England Patriots would have hired Mike Vrabel. And say it, Koo. 
Say it. <laughs> Paul was wrong, folks. Paul, and Paul has not been happier to be wrong. Uh, the New England Patriots that coming out this morning that they are hiring Jared Mayo as the 15th, 15th head coach in franchise history, as reported by Adam Schefter. So after, let's work quickly after the parting ways with Bill Belichick. Uh, he turns 38 on February 23rd. So now he becomes the youngest head coach in the NFL, a title that was once held by Sean McVay for the LA Rams, speaking of the LA Rams. Uh, and a lot of people, he was already within the New England Patriots organization, not only as a coach, uh, but also previously played for the New England Patriots. And a lot of people internally have compared his work ethic and his expertise and his knowledge to Bill Belichick. And when they chose to bring him on staff and give him a contract extension as an assistant coach, they actually had it in there that he was part of the succession plan. They thought it would come after next season at the earliest. However, considering how horrendous the Patriots did this past season, they moved quickly and that's why everything came down. So we didn't even know that was going to happen. So Paul did not know when he was thinking that they would hire Mike Vrabel. The Patriots were already set up to hire Jared Mayo. And now they have their head coach. And his name is Nike, is not Vrabel where Paul is. But I don't know. If this guy is a, so, a Bill Belichick and he seems kind of like this player's coach, young guy. And we saw a lot of younger coaches find a lot of success early on because they have that player relationship going for them. Sean McVay obviously took the Rams to the Super Bowl and won, have been very competitive ever since. So does he still worry you in with what he can bring? And especially because the Patriots have already, he knew he was going to take over. So Bill Belichick was already teaching him how to have the reins of New England Patriots. So could we see a more longtime suffering of the New York Jets now that the Patriots have their guy who they've already made the plan for so <laughs> one yes of course we can always expect to see more jets suffering until they prove to me otherwise i just expect them to be behind the eight ball for lack of a better you know cliche mm -hmm. mayo doesn't scare me per se like the hire doesn't make me sit here and shudder. Like mm -hmm. Bill Belichick has literally, I, I put they this in They refer to him as Bill Jr. Well, so here's the thing. He is an exceptionally smart player. I think of him very similarly to C.J. Mosley, Gerard Mayo, obviously a former NFL player, former first round pick. Um, actually, this is a fun little joke. Uh, Bill Belichick drafted more head co future NFL head coaches than thousand yard receivers because he drafted Gerard Mayo, and he drafted um, Kevin O'Connell, the head coach mm. for the uh, Vikings, Vikings, pardon me. And um, I thought that was funny, nonetheless. But Mayo, exceptionally smart, players coach in a lot of ways. The best way I can put it, I would compare him kind of to Antonio Pierce, in which you bring in that young life force, that energy, that players coach side of things but still somebody who very much so is keen in on the game. And like you said, they, they jokingly call him Little Bill because he's that smart on the defensive side of the ball especially. And they said his work ethic, like he's in the office. And that's been the thing for since extended periods pre -playing of time. days for mm -hmm. him too. So long-winded answer, 
he doesn't scare me per se, but it also I don't sit here and I'm like, oh, that's a bad hire yeah. for the Patriots. I also I had an inclination that this may happen earlier this season. I had heard about the the plan to uh, replace Belichick later down the line. Like you said, this was a little bit earlier than they had anticipated, but nonetheless, um, well, future is now, <laughs> folks, and. Uh, Bill Belichick, for the first time in my sister's life, I actually put this in my family group chat, first day, yesterday was the first day in my sister's lifetime that Bill Belichick was not the head coach of the New England Patriots. That's so crazy. Today is the hundredth day of my lifetime that he is not the head coach of the <laughs> New England Patriots. Fun facts there. Uh, other coach, you brought up Antonio Pierce, who is currently the interim head coach at, for the Las Vegas Raiders. He, no surprise, is in demand, and he will interview with the Titans, who we just mentioned fired Mike Vrabel, which is still shocking. I mean, like, are the Raiders going to fumble the bag again on a head coach that is in their grasps right there, who they don't necessarily have to give a crazy contract to and still continue to pay off like they have to with McDaniels. And um, shoot, now his name's escaping me. Their Gruden. first head coach in yeah, Gruden. So are they going to fumble it again and not keep Antonio Pierce there who has proven that, hey, he can win games. The players love to play for him. He seems like the perfect fit. He loves the franchise. He loves the organization being an o original Oakland Raiders fan growing up. And all signs point to he would be awesome. I don't see him wanting to even leave Las Vegas in the first place. And now he's interviewing with the Titans. So that is already bringing red flags to the fact that, like, are you guys not going to lock up this guy and make him your next head coach and let him go off and date other people? <laughs> it's it's bad. It, I don't know how don't they didn't it. lock him up before the season ended. I understand, like, wanting to see whatever, but he, he proved himself. Max Crosby yeah. this morning actually tweeted out saying, hashtag hire a AP, yeah. Antonio Pierce. Yeah, you, you got to bring him back. When you're best player, best player, I say that with a capital B, best, says that that's, a, that's an endorsement, as ringing of an endorsement on social media as you can get to bring him back and I think Ian Rappaport even tweeted out and put it into the ether that that's Crosby's way of drawing a line and saying, hey, I don't want another head coach. This is our guy. Yes. So to build off of your point, it is almost unthinkable that the Raiders have allowed him to even take other interviews. Yeah. I mean, at this point, how do you not lock him up? The Titans would be... They do very well to not let him get back on a plane to yeah. go back out west. Sign right here, please. How much do you want? Just write yeah. the blank check right what, now. What's your number? Yeah, because as much as we talk about it, it's shocking for them to fire Mike Rabel. If they were to replace Rabel with someone like Antonio Pierce, then all of a sudden the decision doesn't look so bad for the Tennessee Titans. However, it'll continue to look... They need a home look, run higher, yeah, that's for sure. It'll look horrendous for the Las Vegas Raiders should they, yeah, just let him go, not want to 
beg for him to come back. Like, we've made a mistake. Don't get on the plane. And it's like a rom-com, like Chase running through the airport. Don't get on the plane. I well, love come you. Back. Come back. Please. I just, I and, and so many friends, especially in Hawaii, there's so many Vegas Raiders fans here that I would hate for them to whiff on this hire and not keeping Antonio Pierce there because, hey, it's Vegas, baby. It, like, everyone wants to see that team because it like those are one of those franchises that you want to see succeed because they're just so fun there's something about them but at the same time you don't hate them necessarily like the Patriots right like everyone is tired of the Patriots winning like the Las Vegas Raiders people want ironically it's because Tom Brady kind of screwed them over in that one game a long time ago so it's kind of comes full circle that hey we want the Raiders to succeed, and it's Vegas. It's the entertainment capital, not in only the U.S., but let's just be honest, in the world. And they need to have a good NFL team, hopefully a good college football team, not too good, not better than UH, but at least competitive at an UNLV, okay an okay team. team. UH will still beat them, though. But come on, Las Vegas. But that is what we are waiting to see come down the pipe. Obviously, there's more coaching stuff more coaches off the board in college, which we will tell you about in just a little bit. Uh, looking at some of the breakdown of the NFL. Oh, shoot. Never mind. We're up against the break. We'll be back to talk about the matchups in the NFL wildcard weekend next on Wake Up in the Den. Wake Up in the Den with Kule Agbayani on the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 760. Oh, sorry, we gotta do this. We're dance partying in here. We're totally dance partying in here. Can't help it with Beyonce. Queen Bay, uh, welcome back to Wake Up in the Den. Kule Agbayani and Paul Breck talking about some football. Again, we'll get to some UH basketball uh, a little later in the show. Uh, Got you caught up with some coaching hires and coaching vacancies. Uh, just real quick, though, before we get into the NFL wildcard matchups, do want to at least make note some of the other news coming in this morning. We talked extensively about Nick Saban choosing to retire. And so Alabama has that vacancy on Wednesday. Their athletic director said they should they should name a head coach within 72 hours. However, days are going by and top candidates are being taken off the board. Uh, so we mentioned yesterday, Dan Lanning announcing via social media uh, that he is staying put at Oregon uh, this morning, this morning, late last night, Steve Sarkeesian uh, is staying in Texas. So that was another top candidate for the Alabama job. And now most recently, Mike Norvell, head, head coach at Florida State, will stay at Florida State as he just signed a new deal that will pay him more than $10 million annual, annually for the next eight years. So those that were kind of like the top three candidates. I mean, there is still Lane Kiffin, I believe, as another name out there. I haven't seen him double down on staying at Ole Miss. So he probably becomes the front runner to take over the job at Alabama now since Mike Norvell, again, staying in Florida State, Steve Starkeesian staying in Texas and Dan Lanning staying in Oregon. So we talk about the NFL jobs. Clearly, the Alabama job is almost up there in terms of, ooh, Who's going to take it? And that's why I wanted to slide it into our almost a blend of our NFL coaching discussion before we get into the NFL games itself, because that almost yeah does feel like a NFL caliber coaching vacancy now that Nick Saban has officially retired. But 
that's kind of the update so far in terms of Bamalan. So could we see a new head coach named over the weekend? The left, it's left to be seen. It's uh, it's gonna be interesting, especially. I mean, you hear about it all the time. You never want to be the guy that comes after the guy. Exactly. Yeah, and in New York, it happened where Didi Gregorius took over for Derek Jeter after a long, you know, successful stint with the New York Yankees, and that was a big question for him. And Gregorius ended up being great. <laughs> Guys, I'll just tell you, <laughs> it's me. I'm taking the I'm taking the Alabama Don't job. Don't leave us, Paul. I no. I am I am taking one for the team, and I will be the guy after Saban, so that then Alabama can hire a good head coach in two or <laughs> three years after I've made my you know fifteen million and have my fifteen million dollar buyout. No, oh and then I'll be right back here, and then HSRN will be right back up to the moon. But Woo-hoo! you know. But I just I want to can announce you, you as former, yeah, former Alabama head football coach <laughs> Paul Brecht in the house. <laughs> no, but that that job is going to be. I'm really curious who's going to end up taking it yeah. because, like I said, it's tough to be the coach after arguably the greatest college coach of all time. I mean, the guy won mm-hmm. seven national titles. It, it, he is. And always competitive year after year. Oh, I, I brought it up yesterday thing. that like he has figured out a way to navigate the ever-so-changing world of college football. And he's kind of choosing the right time to step aside considering the NFL NIL craziness going on. But at the same time, I do feel like if he was, you know, 10, maybe even five years younger, he probably still would have found a way to navigate through all this craziness. But he is up there in age. I'm sure it's like being older and dealing with that. You're like, yeah. No, I'm good. Like, let's just get out of here. So that's the, to me, has been the most impressive thing about Nick Saban is that he has never really truly taken a dip, even though this season we kind of joked about like, oh, it's weird seeing Alabama right so low in the polls. But he's like, but we're still Alabama snuck their way into the college football playoff, was very competitive with the eventual national champions. That was Michigan arguably could have won that game, that semifinal game. So the fact that Nick Saban was able to get there, you know, obviously being the storied head coach he was, the successful head coach he was, would have been cool if he did win. But I think he kind of did some self-reflection and was like, yeah, no, that was that was good. I had a good ride. And here we go. But yeah, who's going to be? I don't know. I'd vote for you, Paul, to be the guy, the successor to there. Nick Saban. Sounds I good. I will be there. Roll Tide, baby. <laughs> All right. Getting to the NFL wildcard matchups. The first game happening tomorrow. I love Saturday football. <laughs> it's so exciting. Oh, that reminds me. I got to get my survivor pool picks in for the Ooh, playoffs. Yeah. Thank you, Koo. Yeah, you're welcome. So the Browns, Texans, uh, we talked about the storyline with this game before, how it's just, it's weird. There's all these weird parodies throughout like this entire NFL wildcard, just how everything happened with seeding Browns Texans, even though we won't see Deshaun Watson, it's still craziness in that. And I, I tend to better. Yeah. It's better to see it. Like, and I love rooting for the Texans just because of how young they are seeing like a rookie quarterback, a rookie head coach, especially when it felt like in Houston, like that's where your coaching career essentially went to die. It's like they just kept trying to find replacements and they would never do anything to make their head coaches successful. 
And then we saw what happened with Lovey Smith as well. Who is who should be a hero, by the way. Oh, he's in Houston still, he's still Bears heroes. Well, so. for, for multiple reasons, he's a Bears hero. And also, he's the reason you got C.J. Stroud instead mm-hmm. of probably taking Bryce Young number one overall. Just yeah. by the way. Yeah. But yeah, uh, another really cool storyline going in. The reason I say it's almost better to not see Watson is because of the storylines we get from it. I mean, old man Joe Flacco comes off the couch and oh my gosh, all of a that. sudden reignites his career, puts himself, catapults himself into the conversation for comeback player of the year. It's the matchup, like we mentioned, between mm-hmm. the teams that made this massive trade just a few off seasons ago. And despite that trade, both teams in the same amount of time end up meeting in the first round I think that's a really cool storyline to go along with it. Also, like you said, I mean, what a what an awesome story with C.J. Stroud and D'Amico Ryans. What a phenomenal job Ryans has done this year there. In general, one of the most interesting first-round matchups for me because of the Browns' defense and how great they've been. And, I mean, man, C.J. Stroud, when he is on, he looks like an MVP candidate this season. Oh, yeah. And I just love to root for D'Amico Ryans, too, coming over from San... I'm sure, like, 49ers fans were sad to see him go, but he's doing his thing Texans for Houston. Really, they did the Jets game plan <laughs> to a T and did uh, it better somehow. But looking at the Texans, you know, they are 10-7, and seven, ended up winning the AFC South. They did... They, the Texans and the Browns did play this season, and actually not like too long ago, but uh, the Browns did come out on top over the Texans 36-22, but you know what? This is playoff football now, so we will see what happens. I am rooting for the Texans. The Texans are the dog, uh, only by two points, though. So, so you're saying there's a chance? Texans all the way, baby. Plus one ten on the money line. Let's go. That one's fun. That, <laughs> that one, one is so fun. That one is very this very. This is such fun. a good one to kick off, like the NFL Wild Card Weekend. That game is at eleven thirty. I mean Saturday. Right. What a what a slate oh, Saturday so is. I'm looking at it now. Tomorrow we will be enjoying. Or actually, it's kind of. It's kind of cold the last from yesterday and today, so we'll see if the cold weather carries on till tomorrow. Because tomorrow afternoon we have the cold weather game that is the Miami Dolphins going over to the Kansas City Chiefs. Kind of touched on it yesterday, where it's two degrees. You put in the wind chill will likely be less than zero. However, cold is cold when you reach a certain like temperature. Correct. It's cold for both teams. Both teams have to deal with it. So we talked about, oh, Tua, you know, being a warm weather person all his life, including in his NFL career. It was a little cold in Bama. First time he saw snow, he said, was in Alabama. Uh, But I think it could go either way. And I talked, I kind of said, mentioned it yesterday because it'll be more of like these short passes, kind of the game that the Miami Dolphins and Tua Tongo Vailoa have been so good at because he's accurate and his receivers don't drop passes like Kansas City Chiefs. I think it'll be kind of a surprise. The Dolphins are currently sitting at uh, getting four and a half from or getting four and a half in from BetMGM plus one eighty on the money line. I'm t- I'm just going. I'm riding with like the dogs this weekend. I'm gonna tally like how many like if you just many kept rolling you over take. your like a hundred bucks like on each dog and see how much if you were to end up coming up on top at the end of and this is with the spread right like just putting it on yeah, there yeah, yeah. with the dolphins the texans i would probably be interested to put it on the money line dolphins though eh, four and a half that's a significant amount of points because considering how this game will go i mean it'll you won't imagine any team taking a really long field goal or that field goal being easy 
I see take, them going for touchdowns at touchdowns. You have to touchdowns. running the ball. Um, yeah, Dolphins. That, that's plus, how playoff. Plus, I want is. I want my futures bet to be more in play. So we're going with the Dolphins. This feels like a year where, and I've said this a couple of times, we're gonna get one of those. I hate calling it a miracle run because that's never. It's not fair to the people in the room. But the, the 2007 and 2011 Miracle Giants runs where they ended up, I mean, they're what, nine and seven, they end up going to the oh Super Bowl. Just not th- this unspectacular, you know, non-spectacular Lackluster. team yeah. going to the Super Bowl and then ended up winning it. A team with warts going up and ending up winning it. Feels like that type of year. And with the Dolphins, they have that type of offense where... All they have to do is get on a three, four week heater, and I mean, well, they put up seventy points this season I know. against the Broncos, who weren't as bad as I actually thought they were. So, yeah. like, this is a team who all it takes is them getting hot at the right time. And it's funny I talk about getting hot because, like you said, the cold weather game of mm. the opening cold, round. Just thinking about it, uh, Chiefs though never count them out. That's why with the Dolphins, four and a half is a good amount of points. So, eh. Dolphins with the points. All right. A uh, few more games. Let's see if we can go through this real quick. It feels like our channeling my uh, inner Kyle Galdera in our quick pit segment that we usually do when he joins us on here. Steelers Bills is the start of Sunday, 8 o'clock in the morning game. I'm sure Paul Brecht is looking very much forward to this one and cheering very hard for the Steelers. However, the Steelers, at least it went down a little bit. I think it opened at like a double-digit spread, but now the Steelers are the underdog and getting 9.5 points plus 375 on the money line. This is another one that people, like, I think it's too big. I, I feel like you, I mean, Mike Tomlin in the playoffs, the Bills have been so up and down this season. They are at home. I do think they are on paper a better team but I always feel like Josh Allen is going to find a way to find the Steelers' defense (laughs) time and time again. Um, But we were talking about this with our friends yesterday. The Ravens are hoping that the Steelers lose because they don't want to play the Steelers. Vice versa, the Ravens are definitely by far the better team on paper. But when you're playing a rival like the Steelers, anything can happen. I do feel like I will never count out Mike Tomlin. So give me Steelers plus the nine and a half. Like you said, nine's a lot of points. I I feel the Bills will comfortably win this one, but I also don't think comfortably means that they will win by nine-plus points. Mm-hmm. So take that as you will, my little betting friends. <laughs> All right, a few more games, Packers and Cowboys. This is going to be the fun one, and this is the one that you can hear on the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. Broadcast begins at 1045 on Sunday. Game time is 1130. The Cowboys, this is another one that went down a little bit. Cowboys are now only favored by a touchdown. Oh, man, this is a tough one. Packers. <laughs> Clearly, this is this is the one that is probably going to stump me the most. And I hope will end up being the most exciting game, but we're just going with the Cowboys. We're going with Coach Sheffield, and this is our year. Go, boys. I agree. To win straight up, though. I'm kind of concerned about that touchdown. I actually, I'm not concerned about the All touchdown, right. and Go here's Paul. why. I'll tell you why, beautiful people. The big reason why it was important for those Cowboys to win the NFC East, Dallas is a completely different team at home. When they play at home, I mean they absolutely smash people. And they play on the road, they become human once again. That, plus a young quarterback getting his first real taste of playoff action. And a Packers team that, 
eh. Like they're they're fun, oh, you know. but they're not great. I I take the Cowboys at home in this one. That said, Cowboys are perpetual playoff chokers, so I'm they're going to inevitably me prove L- me wrong. L.A. Dodger vibes pretty much is like the Dallas Cowboys. I'm like, all right, the playoffs are here. I will and never get that 13 and three season with a first round <laughs> buy out of my head, only for them to end up just absolutely losing and looking terrible. <sighs> Nonetheless, so. cheering for the Cowboys, of course, because they are playing the Green Bay Packers. And as Bears fans, we love to cheer against the Packers when the Packers lose in the playoffs. It's our Super Bowl win. So. <laughs> so Let's no, go, boys. What a what a historic matchup. Fun, like, in terms of football old heads, I'm sure they're going nuts being like, oh, the Cowboys and Packers, yes. <laughs> All right, let's stick, uh, Put oh, a pin oh, in it. Put a pin in it, take a break really quick, and then we will c- wrap it up with a couple of the games that we have left on Sunday next on Wake Up in the Den. Back to more Wake Up in the Den with Kukule Agbayani on the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 760. Welcome back to all of you, the beautifulest of all the beautiful people. Let's wake up in the den. Kule Agbayani and Paul Breck. Today is a new day. Throw your broken crowns away and head out into the weekend. Hope everyone is having a fabulous morning so far. Mahalo to all of you guys that tune in this and every weekday morning on the Hawaii Sports Radio Network or any of our broadcasts. Uh, don't wor- or don't forget we have a broadcast this evening bringing you OIA girls basketball between Castle and Farrington. So Kyle Galdera and myself will be on the call. And then we will have our team, Paul Brecht, in the studio. And then Michael Escaro taking all the awesome photos that he does so well. And if you miss Wednesday's game, you can get that on HawaiiSportsRadio.com or now on ScoringLive.com. So be sure to check out our friends. I know a lot of you guys do already, but shout out to our friends at Scoring Live as we are now in a new partnership with Scoring Live. So again, 2024, we're just we're just doing the darn thing here at the Hawaii Sports Radio Network and keep rocking and rolling. Personal note, I'm really excited about the Scoring Live partnership. I, when I first moved out here, I thought they did a phenomenal job and it's helping me out to start my coverage. Uh, with, oh, yeah, I remember telling you, like, just go on Scoring Live. <laughs> so when uh, when we were able to end up working with the, the beautiful people on over there, uh, man, I, it's exciting. It makes for a really, really fun 2024 that's in store for you, uh, you beautiful people tuning on in and taking in all the content that we get the opportunity to put out. All right. So getting back to our NFL stuff before we uh, switch over to UH basketball, a couple more games on Sunday. Uh, We kind of talked about this one earlier, but the Rams and Lions, the Detroit Lions, this is a fun one, especially because we have so many friends that are rooting for both teams. The Lions playing at home, welcoming back former quarterback Matthew Stafford are only the three-point favorite. So talked about this before. Anytime it's a field goal, that's essentially saying that this game is even because the three points home teams kind of get automatically, for lack of a better term. But it could go either way. Detroit and the Rams. If you've been listening to our friends at VSIN like all week, 
they say that this is kind of the upset and not in terms of just the betting market. This is kind of like the straight up upset. Rams are plus 140 on the money line that they and the betting world and the quote unquote experts are expecting to happen. And the Rams, for their part, obviously won the Super Bowl not too long ago. Sean McVay, we talked about how great of a head coach he is. And sorry, not sorry to Kanoa Leahy and the other Detroit Lions fans, but I can see this happening as well because it's playoff football and it's different. It It is different. I'm curious how this one ends up for a few reasons. One, obviously, Stafford returning. Stafford has looked phenomenal this year in a, a year after or a year removed from arguably the worst of his career yeah. is that Got unfair so to say up. he was banged up well so. and that's what i mean is like he he's coming off a year where it's not like he was getting any younger it's not like his body it's not like he hasn't gone through significant injuries before and almost a rejuvenation this season as he heads into the playoffs and this is not the most talented rams team that he has been on which is funny mm-hmm. to say because it's not like he's been there for a decade like yeah. he was with the lions as much as I want the fun story that is the Lions this season to continue, I am a big believer that young teams unex- or inexperienced playoff teams mm-hmm. need to get those battle scars in postseason football before they're able to soar and fly and eventually bite off the kneecaps on their way to the Super Bowl. So I also think this feels like a Rams win as the Lions learn their first true playoff lesson as they get back towards being a Super Bowl contender. The interesting thing about this matchup that I just noticed is that when you look at the total, they actually have the highest total uh, compared to the rest of the playoff game. So their total is set Oh, this at is going to be a shootout. Yeah, 51 and a half. The team or the game behind them is the Packers Cowboys game at 50 and a half. But the Lions Rams game have the highest total. The rest are in the 40s. Steelers Bills are at. 34 so that doesn't surprise me though this will be a fun game you're gonna get sean McVay dialing it up with matt stafford which is something that he wanted and then ben johnson who is the hottest i in my opinion the hottest name on the head coaching market for this upcoming coaching cycle he's the one who leads that detroit (laughs) offense and they're really fun to watch so yeah not surprising to see that number so high in fact like you said the highest of the first round games. All right. Another game going on. Uh, this is going to be the Monday game. So uh, Rams Lions is at 315 on Sunday. And then on Monday we have a game, which is weird. I thought it would have been like a more interesting or I don't know. Anyways. So the Monday, <laughs> the Monday night game will be oh Eagles Bucks at 350. I know, right? They could have picked any other game. I'm sure they have their reasons, but it's just weird that it's like the most boring matchup out of like the entire weekend. I would have preferred like Browns Texans to be that game, but Eagles Bucks, you know, Eagles, apparently I saw places like Nick Sirianni could potentially be on the hot seat if they don't do well against the Buccaneers, but we will see. Uh, the Eagles are still the favorite, getting three, or not, excuse me, not getting three, giving three to the Buccaneers, who are the home team. So a home dog right there, plus 135 on the money line, and total set at 43 and a half. Same thing. I don't put it past Jalen Hurts and the Eagles, but it's We've seen it throughout the entire season. They are not the same team that had made it to the Super Bowl and it 
it's going to get frustrating. The Buccaneers, on the other hand, as well, even though they won a Super Bowl recently, that was with Tom Brady. And you can technically say they are an inexperienced playoff team for what they have now. Man, this is a tough one. I'm like drawing a blank. One, I haven't watched too many actual games of either team. It's just <laughs> so boring. <laughs> like, I don't know. That's kind of the thing. It's I'm like, like eh. <laughs> the Eagles have been in this slog to the end of the season where, I mean, what, the last six weeks for yeah, them have been like, horrible. I, I feel bad for their fans, which is weird to say for a 10-win team. But like it, it's, it was really ugly from them to finish out the season. But then the Bucks, the Bucks play in the worst division in football. Yeah, they shouldn't be in the playoffs. Yeah, if they if they're in any other division, they're not in the playoffs. So I sit here and I think I give the edge to the Eagles simply because they return so many pieces from a team that went to the Super Bowl last year, and I don't know. I just I trust them to figure it out more than I trust. The Bucks too, and maybe that's personal Jets bias and Todd Bowles being the head coach down in Tampa Bay speaking right there, but I think I take the Eagles here. Yeah. There's a reason the line is minus three, though. You know, there's a reason. There's they're, a reason. Yeah, they're the road team that's the favorite, so eh, we'll see. I'll go with the Eagles, too, just because, yeah, you're right. It's like, eh, they were just in the Super Bowl. They might figure like, it out. Like Coach Beeman just said in her media availability, Put some respect on what we've done recently. And you know what? That's what I'm going to do here. I'm putting <laughs> some respect on what the Eagles have done recently. Uh, well, we'll see if things change after this weekend. Obviously, Niners-Ravens have the first round by. They are the shortest odds to win the Super Bowl with the Niners at plus 225, Ravens at plus 325. Uh, the Bills are the next team up, though, at plus 650, followed by the boys at plus 750, Chiefs 10 to 1, Dolphins 16 to 1. So throwing that out there because we will definitely see a change come Tuesday or potentially Monday, considering what happens in the weekend or maybe even Sunday. But I like to nerd out and see how much the lines change during the playoffs. All right, going to step aside, come back to close it out with UH basketball on Wake Up in the Den. Wake up in the den with Kule Agbayani on the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 760. All right. As always, parties here in Kalihi, and it really is this tonight. OIA girls basketball between Castle and Farrington right up the road from us here at the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. So party is in Kalihi <laughs> tonight on the Friday night. Uh, but I know some of you guys will be doing your thing on a Friday night, but we'd love to, you know, have you tune in. Or, again, you can tune in on demand on hawaiisportsradio.com. All right. So getting to the game that was between UC Irvine and Hawaii last night, uh, tough loss. Lost for the Rainbow Warriors, falling by 10, 60 to 50 to the Anteaters. Uh, before we get into going through the recap of what happened, here is what head coach Iran Ganat had to say following that loss. Uh, give Irvine credit. You know, I think they're obviously a great team and um, always want to start there. Give credit to Irvine. Um, we're going to own it. I'm going to own it. And also, I really appreciate our fans who are and all our fans who are staying with us, hanging in there with us, we'll keep working, we'll keep competing, and 
you know, I, I didn't think, I wasn't surprised that we had a fight. I mean, we kind of cut it down to three pretty quick and with plenty of time left. It's, you know, we're still obviously figuring ourselves out and you don't, it's not ideal to, never to do that at this point in the year, but it is where we're at. Um, we defended well enough against the top offensive teams and rebounded, out-rebounded one of the top rebound teams in the country, one of the top offensive teams in the country. Um, so the defensive rebound gave us a chance. Um, our offense is killing us right now. And um, I think uh, what causes that, our competitive spirit and our I don't think we're a selfish group. We might play selfish at times, but we're not a selfish group. We have the best guys in the world. So that part, I take great comfort in the character of the group. But I do think when we hit a wall, we go on our own. And I and we need to do better with that. Like it's, it's happens over and over again. You know, you watch the flow of the first half and first ten minutes, and we're getting inside out, getting great looks, great looks, but. If one or two don't go down, we go into not sharing the ball. It's a consistent trend with this group, and that becomes easy to guard. Isolation basketball, which is not what we're about, but we have gone to it consistently. Um, we are still figuring out our team. We're looking at different combinations. and Going back to positive, I thought Bernardo was awesome. If we can all click at the same time, we got something special. It seems like when one does, someone's not there or things like that. Um, I thought Ryan has been coming on and he is deserving of his opportunities. We obviously went to Cody for a couple of minutes. I thought he gave us a, give, a lift. Um, that's what we're going to keep doing. I mean, until we figure it out and find it, we're going to reward, you know, you might see Akira more moving forward. Um, we're going to look at it. We're not far off, as you can tell, but we're not breaking through either. The big thing is always be the most improved player, individual, team as the season goes along. And we're stubborn, very stubborn. And so growth mindset, the worst thing with the growth mindset is stubbornness. And so, you know, that's why I say, I feel like I've said that all year. We're a really good defensive team. That needs to be better, a little better, so we can be elite like last year. We're good on the glass. Um, we're struggling in the offensive, competitive spirit, and uh, Hard to describe selfishness from a, what I consider us unselfish group. Does that make sense? Yeah. What's it like? Take us through how you experience the team uh, starts to go through some of these scoring drops. There were a couple in the first half, mm-hmm. two main field goals over the last nine minutes of the game. Um, just what you're experiencing, what you're viewing, and, and, and kind of how that can get remedied. Yeah, searching. I feel like, uh, in all honesty, you feel like you're searching. Um, I do think we've had more of the blank stares when those happen, and a little bit of a. It's hard because I feel like we get a little sad <laughs> and feel sorry for ourselves. And as we all know, that's never worked. Um, and, and there's been guys who just say, hey, get tough, grind through, fight through. Um, that's where I got to find maybe a different combination that will have that kind of competitive spirit. It's not easy, obviously. Um, you know, everybody goes through it as part of, you know, like I said, like you go through it and now you got to break through. And the same thing, like those are usually the same times when here comes the missed layups and the free throws. I mean, that's, been, that's the other trend, right? The free throws from across the board, really. Um, and those are big swings at times. And, um, it's disappointing. It's 
uh, hard to go through it. You asked me how to, you're trying to pick them up, you're trying to search, search for combinations, and but there needs to be eventually a breakthrough. And So I'm in there with them, like, I love our guys. And you can be disappointed and still, I mean, these guys have never wavered on coming to work. I expect them to handle their business tonight, come to work and stay together and all that. Doesn't mean it always comes through, but it is a good starting point. And, you know, just like I said, um, credit to Irvine and, and very appreciative of our crowd. And, you know, we have work to do, but it's not going to happen. You have to combine, I have great faith and conviction. I said, you got to combine the faith and conviction with doing something. You got to go get it. Um, and we got to help them. But that's where it's a great go to is go back to work. Currently, uh, you guys lead, uh, you know, Big West is three point percentage, 8.2%, we're not. Uh, just what needs to improve on that, and just are you concerned about just? I think we lead in made threes. I think we've been really struggling on the percentage. Um, I think we're trying to play inside out. We got, you know, inside out is penetration post, and, um, you know, the offensive board is transition. And, I think uh, we didn't take many threes. I think we had a better uh, three-point rate. Uh, but we had some ones we, like, I remember the skip pass to Javon. We had some open looks and um, I think we had a couple bad ones, but we certainly wanted to play inside out. So we established Bernardo early. Um, we want to continue to get to Justin inside. And then our penetration needs to help us because, you know, we, this year we don't have the three-man post up as well. So. Um, I think the rate was obviously better. Uh, we missed some open threes. I think uh, we've been good on free throw rate. We didn't get to the line much today, but we didn't convert when we did. So that was a big difference in the game as well. It's been a difference in the last couple of games. Uh, can you tell us about the, uh, the tech, one of the few in your career, and uh, whether you felt it was earned and did it fire your team up? It should fire your team up. You know, I was trying, like, if their physicality and toughness had come from them, then I'm going to bring it. I'm going to always bring it. We're going to bring it. I mean, but uh, I didn't like a call, and I, I I, don't get many. I make my point during the course of the game. I know the line pretty well. I make it close to the line. But, um, you know, I, made, I didn't like the call, and I made it clear I didn't like the call. And um, that's about the extent of it. Um, I thought... I, like I said, I like the fire guys had in the second half. Um, I think even at halftime, I said, I'll throw throw myself thrown out of this game. If it gets some kind of light and, and spark, I mean, that was the challenge at halftime. Like, so I wish I could talk about that more and, and not as much about the things we can control. But I will be... I'll, I'll uh, fight for our guys. Um, and I deserved it. That was University of Hawaii men's basketball head coach Iran Ganat following the Rainbow Warriors loss to UC Irvine 60-50 to last night. A difficult one. And I think part of the frustration, too, is just this the difficulty from shooting the Jekyll and Hyde team that it feels like we get, I mean, five for 13 from the free throw line. And Paul and I kind of joked about it um, earlier before we jumped on air where, hey, if your name is Shaquille O'Neal and you're, you know, 
putting up dunks and stuff and you're the one going through the free to the free throw line and shooting five for 13, then you know what? Hey, we get it. But when you have guards and your good shooters going through to the free throw line, it gets a little frustrating that we're getting all of these misses. Shout out to Bernardo Da Silva. Had a great game, uh, putting up 17 points, leading all scoring by far. But then you see just a lot of our normal scores just do horrendous. I mean, jo- Jovan McClanahan, 2 for 12 from the field. You had Noel Coleman, 0 for 6. And they're not necessarily going up against a team like we saw them go against Nevada, right? A lot of athleticism, a lot of length. UC Irvine, 100%, a good team, a solid team. They're the reason why they're at the top of the conference, as Coach Gunnott said. But they're not a team that should be able to hold some of your best shooters down by this much. And I think for for Paul and I, it, it was it's just weird seeing this because going into the season, we looked at them, we went to practices, and how they started off in the non-conference uh, slate, they looked like a team with a lot of depth. And to see multiple times where just all of these shooters just go completely kaput and can't put up anything, not at one all at the same time, against a team that is solid, but at the same time, yes, you're not going against a team like a Nevada holding you down where we look at the women's team who came out with the win yesterday. And you said it in there. The question to Laura is that like any, at any given time, like any player can score for the women's team. That's what our mindset was for the men's team. And yet they haven't been able to figure out how, okay, it's not going for someone. Someone else is going to step up. This is, it's just, it's it's getting a little frustrating. I wasn't at the game yesterday. We were kind of watching it sporadically during the dinner last night but the free throws are the things that kill me and continue to kill me. Three-point shots, anyone can be on and off any given day. But, man, those free throws, 5 for 13. It's Ugh. frustrating, man. It really, really is frustrating. And I told you this, where at some point it is on the players to make shots mm-hmm. because 5 of 13 from the free throw line is unacceptable. 3 of 17 from three-point range, also unacceptable. The fact that they didn't make a three-pointer in the first half, unacceptable. The players have to score the basketball. At the end of the day, the onus is on them to make the plays, and they would be the first ones to tell you that. Juan Munoz last night taking a lot of accountability. Bernardo Da Silva, after the game, you can tell all of them are racking their brains for answers right now. They're going to get it figured out. I know that. It's just a really frustrating time right now for everybody else. You know what? We're running out of time, but I don't know. I'm feeling kind of fun. We should, we should continue this show. We'll be back. <laughs> For Paul Brecht, I'm Kool-Aid. We're going to be right back. Bye. Wake up in the den with Kool-Aid Agbayani on the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 760. Welcome back. <laughs> we are party rocking. It was, it was feeling like one of those freaky Fridays. There's just NFL playoff weekend. There's so much to talk exactly. about. You know what? We're changing up the script. Here we go. Hour two. Welcome back. <laughs> Welcome back. Oh my goodness. This is awesome. Never done that before, but We're first time for everything. Vibing. 2024. Just because there was so much to see. Our, our UH men's basketball talk got kind of cut off and... Paul and I looked at each other during a, the previous break in the show that 
you know what? This is kind of like one of those days that we need a two hour show. Well, you know what? We're going to do a two hour show. Welcome a two on back. hour tour, a two hour tour. Um, yeah. So yeah. Welcome back, everybody. We have been talking about University of Hawaii men's basketball and we will get to women's basketball a little later now that we have bought us some time. Uh, so Hawaii falling to UC Irvine, as we mentioned, 60 to 50 last night and just a game that was difficult I think for a lot of fans to watch as I mentioned I was not able to go to Taylor Swift night last night at the Simplify Arena at Stan Sheriff Center because I was at a the Sony Open dinner thing but there's a reason why UC Irvine is undefeated in conference and sitting up top on of the Big West however I think the frustrating thing as we were saying before we kind of went to that little I guess you can call it a break. A quick break is just taking a look at, and Paul said it perfectly, where, you know, I know a lot of people get frustrating, as you do sometimes with the refs, sometimes with the coaching. But I think the part that we were not anticipating is some of our top shooters are just going ice cold for a lot of these big time games. And not only that, not only from the field, but also just from the free throw line, as we mentioned, five for 13, like that just cannot happen you have Justin McCoy going 0 for 2 from the free throw line Jovan 0 for 2 so things like that more sec as anticipated 0 for 1 hey it's okay for the bigs you kind of give them a little bit of a leeway Bernardo De Silva you know shooting 50 percent but you have you know normally what should be solid shooters from the free throw line in McCoy and McClanahan that's another four points that should be on the board and bring us that much closer. Now, I do want to, I don't want to like harp on how bad they looked at times because we do got to give them credit. They were down by a significant amount and they were able to cut it to three and just cannot find ways to close out the game. And that's where I want to bring Paul in because you were there to see it because I'm very big on just the eye test and not necessarily watching the box score. So for what were some of the struggles and not only struggles for UH, because again, I do want to give UC Irvine a lot of credit. There is a reason why they are undefeated in conference. So maybe a little bit about what were some things that Irvine were was doing to keep down the Rainbow Warriors and vice versa. Some of the things that maybe the Rainbow Warriors could have done better and that they should have done better at. I think that a lot of the issues from last night were things that we've seen from earlier this season, recently, in fact, where first half, obviously, too many turnovers, unable to force a single turnover from Irvine. That can't happen. And when you're allowing these extra possessions like that, it, it almost erases what you're doing on the glass. You might have heard Coach Gannat talking a little bit about the performance. And they, they out-rebounded one of the best rebounding teams in the country last night and still lost the game at home by double digits. That That's surprising a lot of times, especially when you go into a season knowing the amount of talent that Hawaii has and had going into this season and whatnot. And it, it really is curious. Gannat talked a little bit about it seemed like guys lost confidence early on, missed a couple of shots, yeah. and then became almost tentative to shoot for the rest of that first half. And that's when the game really got out of hand because you saw the avalanche in the second half from the Bows bring it back within three, and then it just stopped, right? Where shots started to not fall. It almost is like what we talk about 
with HPU men's basketball at times with scoring droughts where their defense is so phenomenal, and that's the whole reason why Hawaii was even in the game last night. Mm -hmm. I, I mentioned the shooting numbers before, abhorrent shooting numbers, 5 of 13 from the free throw line, 3 of 17 from 3. Two of those by Ryan, Ryan Rapp. Rapp. In, within minutes of each yeah. other, within, I think, three or four possessions. Yeah. That was actually a portion of the game that we were watching at dinner. It, it A bad shooting night overall and part of that like an outside you got to give credit to uc irvine they did mm -hmm. a nice job closing out on shooters not a ton of airspace oftentimes some rushed shots saw juan munoz get his shot blocked last night from behind the arc you know or at least blocked makes it sound like it was swatted but a piece of it you know where the closeout was so quick and think about how quickly juan munoz gets his shot off for somebody to be able to close out and be able to get a piece of it uh, it was an impressive defensive performance from the Anteaters. So, like like Coach Gannat said, I don't want to take anything away from them there. But then it almost makes it crucial when you do get the vital or the open looks. It's vital that you knock them down. That when you are able to catch and shoot in rhythm, that you hit it. And that that's what Rap did to start mm -hmm. the second half there, and that's part of the reason that you saw Hawaii start to make that comeback. Juan Munoz, the other three pointer, a rainbow miracle shot. Uh, we call it in the in the basketball community, they're grenades when you give the ball to a guy with five seconds left on the shot clock and he's got to get a shot up. Well, and again, this was this as actually when I was watching because I remember we were like sitting at the dinner table and I like put my hands up like. Yes, because he was about maybe, what, a foot away from the actual three-point line? It was a deep three. It was a one of those... A foot might be... You might be <laughs> selling it short. I thought it was a good two, three feet behind the arc yeah. where it was kind of a... I don't want to call it a prayer because Munoz is the type of player who makes those make it, pretty yeah. consistently. But nonetheless, in the moment, and I mean, it made Stan Sheriff Center erupt. Because all of a sudden, you had this dead crowd mm -hmm. who they saw their team go down by 15, look lifeless in the first half. And that's something else. Coach Gannon talked about it where they were there was no spark, no energy, no passion. And that's part of the reason why he, he crossed a line that he doesn't normally cross and, and got a technical foul in that first half because he, he almost felt like, if nobody else is going to show that fire, then I have to show them that I've got their back right now. And in turn, all of a sudden, the team started to play. It just seemed like they sputtered out over those final five minutes after that Munoz bucket made it 48-45. Just five more points the rest of the way ends up falling 60-50. <sighs> Kule Agbayani and Paul Breck doing an extension extended version of wake up in the den on this aloha friday because there was just so much to talk about spent a lot of the normal show <laughs> recapping or previewing nfl football and of course the coaching changes now getting into some of our local sports and we just got cut short because there was a lot to talk about all right sticking with the men's basketball game see hawaii when you look at the box score though hawaii outscored uci 30 to 27 in the second half which was a positive another positive that i wasn't expecting is that they were even 32 points apiece in the paint uc irvine had some size there down low that was a little intimidating because yes we have more sec however they have like actual like size and i wasn't sure how they would stack up against their bigs but hey 
exactly even 32 points apiece. As I said, fast break points, at least Hawaii didn't give up too many. UCI with six, Hawaii with two of themselves and points off a turnover. So everything, when you look at just all of that seems even and that's what it just came down to. They had a bad shooting night. No one else on the team could step up. Bernardo did as much as he could with those 17 points, and it was just ugly to watch. And I know a lot of the fans were frustrated, but you heard Coach Gannat say it, and we'll we'll double down on that too. Just stay with the team. I have a feeling, and we were talking about this last night because some of us that are usually go to men's basketball games kind of had a chance to to huddle and it, it it's almost like writing the script for that type of season where it'll be really really frustrating during the regular season potentially going like 500 in conference but who knows maybe this could be the season because we've seen us do really well in conference and in the season and then we go into the tournament and then we get like knocked out in the first round so could we potentially see this be one of those seasons where it'll take us a little while to figure out Iran said it during the post-game press conference, you know, this isn't exactly the point in the season when you're still trying to find your identity and figure out your rotations and everything that should have been figured out in the preseason. But maybe this will be one of those weird years where it's going to feel painful for a lot of the fans. But We just got to stick with the team and they will figure it down the stretch. I do have confidence in this coaching staff and in these players. The good thing is that they did look really defeated post game yesterday so they still the players themselves still obviously genuinely care like they weren't just like haha you know they looked down for all of our friends that were there they even like texted us like oh man these players looked really down on themselves like hanging their heads how they go around the stand sheriff center you know giving high fives they were just it, it was the worst they've seen them following a loss and I like that. Like, I don't want them. I want them to feel the pain of this loss because losses suck. And I mean, I'm a very competitive person. I'm the type of person that would like dwell on a loss, especially a team like Irvine, where you just want to beat them so bad. And as a fan, you just want to see Russell Turner lose his mind and (laughs) and beat him so bad. But at least the players, they still very much care. They're still in it. So that's why I have faith that they will figure something out. Maybe this was just one of those really off days that they're going to have. But it is still early. This is still the beginning of the Big West Conference slate. You have another t- another opportunity to potentially beat UCI. It will be on the road, however. But nonetheless, you still have all of these many more games to redeem these losses. And I still hope that the fans do not count out any hope because it is still a long way to go yeah i i think you bring up some really good points throughout that that little monologue one adversity or moments of adversity typically they magnify true character right where the bows are going through i would argue their toughest or schedule like part of their schedule right now. They've lost five of their last six, but taking a peek at those teams that they've played, a lot of them are pretty, Mm -hmm. pretty good. Now, that being said, you need to beat good teams to be a good team. But there are 16 more games left of conference play. You brought up how even in some of the best seasons for the Bows, where they go into the conference tournament as a top two, top three, top four seed, they are first-round exits. Sometimes you need to go through those grimy, grit-and-grind mm-hmm. games and lose to figure out what it takes, what you need to do to win those games later on. 
And there are enough returners. There's enough veteran leadership. There's enough veteran talent on this team that you can still lean on that once it comes to be March. But in the meantime, it's good. We're going to start to see. Gannat said it last night. We may start to see more of Akira Jacobs and mm-hmm. other players who... Cody Williams, who gave them a little bit of a spark last night. Yeah, who who can just boost a little bit more and see what they got because they're looking for answers. They've got a lot of different pieces. It's just about fitting them together in the right and appropriate ways. And they have 16 games to figure that out. And at the end of the day, especially with the way that the Big West tournament is now set up. UC Riverside. Uh, this is another one. It very evenly matched Hawaii on paper. I feel like they are going to be the better team. Taking a look at who Riverside has played so far. They have played UC Irvine. At UC Irvine was their first game of the Big West Conference. Losing 73-66. Also played UC Santa Barbara, which they won 79-77, lost to UC Davis, lost at Long Beach, got a win at Cal Poly, or win hosting Cal Poly, excuse me, 71-56, and now they play at Hawaii as they are sitting uh, just ahead, actually, of Hawaii in the Big West Conference standings at 2-3, and three, and then Hawaii now at 1-3, and three, just ahead of Fullerton, Bakersfield, and Cal Poly seems to be staying at the bottom in terms of seeing how how their uh, scores have looked so far. But hope to see you guys out there at the Simplify Arena at Stan Sheriff Center. Tip-off time, 7 o'clock p.m. as they will play UC Riverside. All right, going to take a break. When we come back, we will uh, recap the Rainbow Wahine basketball game because, hey, want to keep it. Go go back to the, the positive sunshine in Rainbow Land that is Coach Laura Beeman and the Rainbow Wahine when we come back on Wake Up in the Den. Wake up in the den with Kuule Agbayani on the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 760. What we're doing, because I got to tell you now what's on my mind. Welcome back to After Hours in the Den. We're doing an extended show. We're going to, this is a trial run. We've talked about going to two hours before, going from eight to ten. So, you know what? This is our spontaneous after hours extended version of wake up in the den so thank you guys for sticking with us if you are still listening and hey those of you that will tune into the podcast version you get an extended podcast version of this show Kule Agbayani and Paul Brecht uh, talking about University of Hawaii basketball but before we get into the men's or excuse me we talked about the men's before we get into the women's basketball game to open up the show this morning we were talking about the coaching changes more so in the NFL, but also the Nick Saban retirement and the coaching vacancy at Alabama. Well, now coaching vacancy no more as Washington coach Kalen DeBoer is negotiating a contract to replace Alabama's Nick Saban. So he was one of the other ones that um, I failed to mention as being a front runner. We talked about me potentially Lane Kiffin. Um, as we ruled out Dan Lanning, Mike Norvell, and Steve Sarkeesian for the replacement of Nick Saban. And now it is not official because still working out the contract, but Washington, I'm sure my UW friends are going to be kind of sad because this is not the best time to, I guess, lose your head coach who took you all the way to the national championship and built a really good team. Now Washington going into another conference and needing to 
find a new head coach, losing Michael Penix Jr. And the weird thing was you kind of knew it was coming down the pipe because we had just saw that the Washington quarterback who was supposed to be the successor to Michael Penix Jr. before the news came out about Kevin or DeBoer going to uh, Kalen DeBoer going to or negotiating a contract with Alabama that that quarterback had entered the transfer portal, which is weird because classes have started. So that's not something that you see quite often for these players. So there was already almost like an inclination that that would happen. And here it is, Kalen DeBoer potentially leaving Washington should they work out the contract, which if Alabama wants somebody, they're going to pay for it. I kind of brought that up with Dan Lanning where the Dan Lanning buyout would have been $20 million and if Alabama could convince him to leave Oregon for Alabama, they would have gladly paid the $20 million. But now seems like they got their guy. So UW losing their really good head coach, Kalen DeBoer, potentially going and replacing Nick Saban in Alabama. Whew. Feel bad for our boy, uh, Billy Hall. Billy Hall, our boy Ben, our girl Claire. Oh, so many Washington and UW fans, but... Because you, you put it well, it is it is the last time that I would want to lose my yes. head coach, especially one with the resume that DeBoer has been able to build up over the past few seasons. And, you know, Penix, what a, what a phenomenal year he had. But, oh, boy, I don't know how I would feel changing conferences with so much upheaval in the other most important positions with your football program being your starting quarterback and your head coach it's it's going to be tough sledding for a little bit but also it wouldn't shock me if the huskies had a feeling this might be on the way as soon as saban um announced his retirement so i'm sure there's like we talked about with the Patriots, some succession plan. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that Washington had started to put together a list for this possibility in the coming days. Oh, man. I still can't. You know who's happy? Washington State. Washington State's <laughs> celebrating they're, they're like celebrating crazy right, right now. now. They got left behind in the pack, too. And you know what? They're seeing Washington. Obviously, they have to go through the pain of seeing Washington make it all the way to the national championship to lose so they probably celebrated then and now that they see that Washington is going to have to scramble to hopefully maintain this success but losing the head coach and Kalen DeBoer and they're celebrating <laughs> that all right you guys are gonna get like your butts kicked in the new conference that's what all the Michigan or Michigan State Washington State fans are saying right now man I was not expecting that. I'm glad we stayed on see this is and this is usually what happens right like either news will break before the show Every now and then we get lucky where things will break during the normally houred live show from 8 to 9. But a lot of times it'll break like right after we get off air. And then we're just like, dang it. What are we doing here? As Alan Mia is like looking at us like, wait, you guys are still on air. (laughs) (laughs) Surprise. (laughs) Oh, man. For all of you guys tuning in. And um, hope if you guys are regular listeners to the VEASAN program that is usually at this time, well, thank you for joining us. It's Kule Ogbiani and Paul Brecht on the extended after hours in the den, testing it out going two hours from eight to 10 is thank you to all of the listeners that have requested for potentially going longer than the hour. And well, here you go. Cause we just ran out of um, time to talk about everything we need to talk about. And now this just added more things that we needed to talk about with the coaching vacancy. But then it brings us back to, 
how I would always say before, I'm not a fan of the Wild Wild West that is NIL, but I was always a fan of NIL in general because I thought it was extremely unfair that coaches would be able to do this and up and leave because a lot of times you go, you choose programs, you sign your life away. I mean that, you know, not too crazy, but but yeah, you make these decisions because the program and a lot of times the coach and the coaches could up and leave to get better opportunities for them and their families. And yet for a long time, the players were stuck. They, for a long time, they couldn't transfer without having to sit out. And so now I like that a lot of power has gone to the players. Again, I still feel like there should be some regulation with NIL. We have seen some sanctions that will come down on Florida State. So thankfully that is starting to kind of schools are starting to get in trouble. But a situation like Kalen DeBoer, right? If you're a player on that team, like I mentioned, the quarterback now is transferring out because he wanted to go there. We saw a lot of commitments to Oregon State flip their commitment because the coach went over to Michigan State. So these are the situations when you're a player, that's who I feel bad for. Like, yeah, fans, you're going to be sad, whatnot, but just the players, because they, all the returning players felt, wow, this pro, like, we are going to be set up for success. Like, we're following our coach. They signed up for that. We tasted the glory. We're ready to go into this new conference. Like, let's go. And then now you are left with this complete uncertainty of who is going to come in and replace Kalen DeBoer, a guy and a program that you thought was being. And then we mentioned it too, right? The head coach goes, he'll likely take some of his staff. But at the end of the day, it's a reset. So you could be a position player that is like in love with your position coach and he could be gone because the new regime will come in. So that's why I always feel for and which brings me back to I'm glad the players are able to have a little more uh, freedom and power in their college careers because for way too long we saw coaches be able to do this and they just have to leave the players and you know they're basically SOL and they have to stay where they are for a long time so now at least it's a little better but nonetheless that was not news I was expecting I just I was I think I was like thinking in my head it was going to be Lane Kiffin like I'll be honest I had kind of (laughs) resigned to the fact that it was going to be like I saw DeBoer on the list like the list of potentials. I just didn't think he'd leave yeah me too I just didn't like I thought he was in a similar spot as Dan Lanning for me where it was like I think it would be a great hire for yeah. Alabama I just don't see a way that Washington was going to let him walk out the door but also like you said if Alabama wants somebody Alabama's going to pay for them and they did or at least they're in the process of doing so. So, yeah, no, uh, you're right, too, though, with it's a good thing for college football and for college athletes in general to be able to have full flexibility and freedom of what to do next because, like you said, they signed on for four years or more with this coach, this coaching staff in this state, in this city, in this place, and now all of a sudden things change. Even if they decide to follow DeBoer to Alabama, you got to think about the move from Washington to Alabama. You're changing friend groups. You're changing. It's There are so many things that go into it that are not football specific that I'm glad they get the opportunity to do it, but it still makes it a tough situation. 
Oh, my gosh. And Caitlin DeBoer is very young. We talked about, you know, potential candidates like Dan Lanning is just 37. But Caitlin DeBoer at 49, and we've seen these coaches coach into the 70s. So he's should he do well, you're looking at at least like 20 years at Alabama. And early uh, contract, I guess, talks have said that the new contract would make him one of the 10 highest paid coaches in the FBS and more than double his current annual salary of $4.2 million that he is currently getting from UW. DeBoer would owe Washington a $12 million buyout if he does leave. He signed a two-year contract extension through the 2028 season in November. That's uh, via ESPN.com. So kind of a surprise. Again, I'm like, I'm sitting here almost flabbergasted because I made up my mind that it was going to be Lane Kiffin. Uh, it just seemed to be perfectly considering he coached under Nick Saban. But now Alabama looks all but looks to have gotten their guy. And 12 million is a lot less than 20 million for Dan Lanning. So I'm sure Kalen DeBoer is negotiating that in his current contract. Like, oh, you need to make sure you pay me 20 or 12 million. Meh, maybe 13 million on top of my annual salary so that he can pay back UW and Alabama will be like, sure, no problem. Here's your blank check. What do you want? Because we need a head coach. I'm sure we need a good head coach. Their AD is he doubled down, said that they're going to find someone ASAP. Because on the flip side, we talk about the players at UW that are like, oh man, like our coach just left. Alabama needs to make sure they keep. There's their a reason players. They, they were like 72 hours. Yeah. We need to make sure the new coach comes in, talks to the players, keeps all the players they have. Because we saw they're a solid team. Semi-finalists in the college football playoff gave Michigan a run for their money. Game could have gone either way. And now you bring in a head coach like Kalen DeBoer, who ironically was also coaching in the college football playoff this year. And if you're an Alabama player, that will get you to stay knowing that, all right, this head coach obviously knows what he's talking about was on the other side of the the playoff bracket. And again, young guy, 49 years old, a lot of energy, clearly knows his stuff. So this is by far a very impressive, should the deal get done, now that in hindsight, I'm like, this would be a really good hire for yeah. Alabama to replace Nick Saban. It's, in my opinion, it's a good grab. Curious what the the final numbers on the contract do end up looking like. I know you talked about what you know whatever Mike Norvell did just get a uh, the Florida State head yeah. coach did just get an extension this morning. Um, Ten million annually next yeah. eight years. Woo. Like I said, I I would have gladly taken that spot as the guy after <laughs> Nick Saban, and then DeBoer could have taken over after me. But yeah, because DeBoer fine. DeBoer basically the Huskies were four and eight like prior to the season that DeBoer took over and that would be Paul. Paul exactly. hey, Alabama. Like I will season. lead you to your four and eight season. <laughs> I won't even do it for fifteen mil. Give me two million dollars and I will make sure you guys win four to five. As long games. as you hire me as oh, your assistant cool. coach. Absolutely. I'll be your associate head coach. Cool. Associate head coach will have, <laughs> you know, like we had Chef this past year, we'll have time with Koo uh, with local radio <laughs> stations. Oh be great. my gosh. We t- Instead, they they went the DeBoer route, which is DeBoering. Maybe check your phone. Did you not get your phone call from Alabama that they wanted you to? I I must that must have been the number last night. As you know, I I thought it was just spam. It said something about Alabama. I'm like, why would it somebody from Alabama call? I had totally forgotten this Nick Saban character retired. Oh, oh my gosh. They went with the, they went the DeBoer route, which is DeBoering, but it's fine. <laughs> 
Um, oh, no, still it, channeling the inner Kyle Galdera here, Paul. He's he's going to be a, a good hire for Alabama, yeah. I think. Um, I'm glad they moved quickly, though, because if they didn't, we already saw some of the movement. They had a decommitment from top receiver in the class coming on in. Their top receiver just entered the transfer portal. So uh, hopefully for the, the tide's sake, they can hold on to most of their talent now with a pretty established head coach. Coming into the uh, coming into the fray. Yeah, college football, the gift that gift keeps on giving. All right, got to step aside. When we come back, we will get into University of Hawaii women's basketball next on After Hours in the Den. Back to more Wake Up in the Den with Kukule Agbayani on the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 760. it again welcome back to all of you the beautifulest of all the beautiful people it's wake up in the den extended version after hours on this aloha friday kule agbayani and paul brecht we're dancing the the day away right now dance partying (laughs) oh man wow this has been fun this is so fun right now it really is thank you guys if you guys are still tuning in from earlier and if you're Maybe tuning in for the first time. Welcome. Our show is usually from 8 to 9 a.m. And we decided to do an extended version. So I hope you come back often. If you're new, you can always text us as well at 808-888-KGU1. 808-888-5481. Follow us on social media at High Sports Radio. Check us out on HawaiiSportsRadio.com for a lot of photos, recaps of the games that we cover, and a lot of stuff going on. But... Tonight, want to make sure we remind you guys that we will have OIA girls basketball coverage uh, between Castle and Farrington. On Wednesday, we had Radford versus Pearl City. So if you missed it, you can check out photos, a quick recap by Michael Escarol and um, the game itself that we put on demand. So we put all of our local broadcasts to listen to on demand at hawaiisportsradio.com or wherever you got, get your podcasts, or for our high school games, you can now get them also at scoringlive.com as we are excited to partner with Hawaii's leading source for Hawaii high school sports, Scoring Live. Woo! We're rocking and rolling this morning, Paul. You know it. It's 2024, Ku. It's a big time year for us here at HSRN, for all the beautiful people listening to this show. We have so much in store for you, and... Uh, clearly, because we're going for a second hour here today. <laughs> All right. So if you guys uh, missed any of this show, you can also listen to it every day on demand at HawaiiSportsRadio.com or wherever you get your podcasts. All right. We were supposed to get into Rainbow Wahine basketball in the prior segment, but got interrupted by the breaking news with Kaylin DeBoer negotiating a contract to be the next head football coach at Alabama, replacing Nick Saban, who retired just a couple of days ago. And we will see how that all happens. And it became quite the surprise. Both Paul and I were on the same page thinking it would be Lane Kiffin. Now UW loses their coach who turned around their program, getting them to a national championship game, which I still feel like despite the score, they were very much had their opportunities to compete and win that game over the Wolverines. But anywho, going over to Rainbow Wahine basketball as we talked about the men's basketball to start off this 
second hour of Wake Up in the Den. Uh, the Rainbow Wahine getting a nice win on the road, 56-49 against another top team in the Big West. The men's team in UC Irvine is always a tough competitor in the conference, and so is the women's team. Hawaii, man, what an impressive win. Again, 56-49, highly competitive throughout the entire game. Uh, Imani Perez had a game that we've almost anticipated her to have because we have seen her get better and better, almost like through each game, putting up 17 points, shooting 100%. You know how hard that is to do in college basketball? 100%, 7 for 7 from the field, 3 for 3 from downtown. Imani, man, her my goodness, but we've all we've been talking about her praises ever since last season. Uh, right behind her, Melani McBee, another solid scorer for the Rainbow Wahine, putting up 12 points, going three for six from three, and Lily Wahine Kapu putting up 10. She's always going to be your solid point guard leading the offense. She's she's kind of like your stable player that you know you will get a lot of production from whether that be in shooting or assist and this team is so deep they're so fun to watch I can't almost like opposite of the men's team where they're still trying to figure it out I know Laura Beeman is very modest and still expects more from her team because as we talked to her throughout the media scrum she says they're not there yet she wants them to get better at rebounding the better at defense which they're already pretty solid at defense in my opinion but they're not there yet. Almost like when we talk about the UH men's volleyball team, like the fact that they are a quote-unquote new team with a new rotation, the men's volleyball team that is, and that's their bottom. So if Laura Beeman is looking at her squad like, nah, we're just not there yet, and they look like this, that three-peat is feeling more and more realistic. As if it already wasn't, but when you you guys still got to play the games. And... Through these first few games, 4-0 in conference for the oh, first time since 1997-98 season as a member of the WAC. The last time Hawaii has been 4-0 in conference. So they, they have yet to give up over 50 points to a Big West opponent this season, which is very impressive. Like you said, it has been over 25 years since this good of a start in conference play for the Rainbow Wahine. It's the best start under Laura Beeman to start conference play in her, I think it's 12, 13 seasons now. Um, and like you said, they still don't feel like they are even close to where they can be. They're starting to scratch the surface of, okay, yes, we're starting to rebound better. Our defense is starting to lock in. But even though the offense goes through these scoring droughts still at times. Mm-hmm. It's not like UC Irvine didn't have the Rainbow Wahine mm-hmm. having some offensive fits to start that game. But when your team has so many different options to score the basketball, when you're all working together at the same level, when everybody has the same investment into the, the metaphorical pot, you get what we have seen for the start of conference play from these Rainbow Wahine, where they have been just surgical at times, where even as the game starts to, oh man, okay, are we in the balance? Are, you know, is, is UC Irvine going to get back into this one? Because the Bows, they took control. The Rainbow mm-hmm. Wahine, they took control of this game. But it wasn't like UC Irvine just 
tucked their tail and gave up. They fought back and took a few punches. UH took a few punches. Mm -hmm. And they still held on on the road and picked up a critical, and when I say critical, I mean absolutely crucial win to their hopes to win the regular season Big West crown. These two teams, these two programs voted one and two in the preseason Big West poll. That wasn't by accident. Mm -mm. Well, round one goes to the Bows. Can't wait to see round two. Would be lovely if they were the team that voted us third. <laughs> uh, it wouldn't shock me. <laughs> wouldn't if they shock were. me either. Uh, taking a look at the standings, Hawaii at the top, as we mentioned, undefeated in conference at four and zero. UC Santa Barbara behind them at four and one. UC San Diego at three and one. Then you have Irvine, Cal Poly, and UC Davis at three and two. And then you have UC Riverside at two and three, who they will play at UC Riverside tomorrow. Taking a look ahead at that matchup. UC Riverside uh, opened the conference play with three straight losses to Irvine, UC Santa Barbara, UC Davis, and then are on a two-game win streak, beating Long Beach State 49-43, so a close one, and winning at Cal Poly 64-53. And now they will host the University of Hawaii. And I tell you what, they if they can keep this solid shooting and... Can, can the women show the men how to shoot free throws, please? Because this is where your free throw percentage should sit at. Like, you know, that 71%-ish, 70% at the lowest. So Hawaii, 10 and 14 from the free throw line. So um, somebody somebody can can go, go next door and teach the boys how to shoot free throws because it's getting a little frustrating on the men's side. But nonetheless, Imani Perez, similar to, I mentioned this when we were talking about men's basketball. This is kind of the idea that we thought would happen on the men's team where you know there's a lot of depth you know again it's rare that anyone is going to shoot a hundred percent like Imani Perez did in college basketball like that's rare but nonetheless we anticipate this type of depth and Laura Beeman also talked about it uh, in her media scrum earlier in the week if you guys missed it it's it really isn't dated she's throwing fire quotes like there's no tomorrow we already know go check it out on our YouTube channel but she's just, and I, you pose a question, right, Paul? Like, it's like seven different players will can lead this team in scoring. and Seven different players have yeah, led this team in scoring so far. It's crazy that type of depth that this team has where I don't know if what's going to happen if they get to a situation like we saw from the men's team last night where everyone is cold. But at the same time, I feel like that will never happen. Someone is going to step up. to have up. that many people cold all at the same time. And like Laura said, the special thing about this team is that they, they're they all hungry. They want their minutes. They want their points. But they are quick to realize if it isn't their night and they're quick to celebrate whoever's night it is. And I think that's very, very important because, again, these players want it. Yeah, they want to score. They want their minutes. But on the flip side, they are the first to celebrate whoever's hot shooting night it is and I'm sure they probably were like praising Imani last night considering the game that she had and I'm so excited for this year I'm getting chicken skin because I'm like can we continue this undefeated streak Dude. I better see you. if they beat UC Riverside tomorrow I better see a packed like simplify arena stand sheriff center on Thursday when they return home because this we gotta support this program you guys you have to I mean they have been phenomenal and I just want to point this out because sometimes it gets lost in the fray Guess what, guys? They're still not even close to healthy. We haven't oh seen gosh. Jovi Lafotu no, yet. We haven't seen Jackie Davis. We haven't seen any of them. Oh my gosh. Like, they, they had 
four season-ending injuries last year to rotation players. Who have we seen back so far? Olivia. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, if you were waiting for us to continue on, that there's a reason we didn't, because they're still waiting for some of these young women to get back, which is scary. I mean, scary hours for the rest of the Big West, because, yes, I said that UC Irvine still fought back. It felt like the Bows, like UH, the Rainbow Wahine, they were just in control in that second half. On the road against top caliber opponent. Not fully healthy. That's crazy! That's crazy! All right, again, so tomorrow you see Riverside. Uh, oh, I lost the thing. Where is the game time? Excuse me, excuse me. <laughs> Chotamate, 4 o'clock p.m. I was thinking that, but I didn't want to give you guys the wrong information. So 4 o'clock p.m. Hawaii time is the Rainbow Hina game. You can watch it on ESPN+. Plus. Hope to see you guys out at the Simplify Arena at Stan Sheriff Center tomorrow for men's basketball. Or you can choose to support our friends at HPU Basketball as well because they have games too. So, But we got to step aside on this extended version of Wake Up in the Den. We'll be right back to close it out. We promise this time because we've got other stuff to do. But we'll be right back on Wake Up in the Den. Peace up. Back to more Wake Up in the Den with Kukule Agbayani on the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 760. Yeah, yeah. A two-hour show of Wake Up in the Den, Kukule Agbayani and Paul Brecht. If you're listening to us for the first time, Hello. <laughs> nice to meet you. This is our local show that we have going on normally from just an hour from eight to nine. We've had requests to have the show longer. Uh, if you're just tuning in for the first time, there's now that we've gone through the two hours, this is a very big possibility that we will have the show from eight to nine. We will not go earlier. I know people have requested us because I know that's a normal drive time uh, that people are getting to work is prior to eight o'clock. So if you miss the show, though, you can still listen to it on demand. Maybe by the time you get to work, it'll be up and you can listen to it. However, uh, because we do, we're really, really small. We're a tiny but mighty team here at the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. So we cannot go earlier because then it would just be torture for Paul and I. <laughs> we do a lot of clopins here for some of our uh, food industry friends that will have broadcasts throughout the week like we did on Wednesday when we brought you OIA Girls Basketball. And then the next day we have to be here in studio. So we'd rather like not torture ourselves and have to you know, sometimes get out of a OIA game, especially that some of the OIA championship games are on weekdays and they will go to like 11, 12 o'clock at night. By the time we get home, we'll have to wake up and come back and talk to all of you beautiful people early in the morning. But uh, so until our team gets a little bigger, probably won't go earlier than 8 a.m. But now that we've kind of dipped our toe in the water of going two hours from eight to 10, you know what? This seems pretty chill. At least when it's football season, especially. And then once football season's done, it's still like college basketball, NBA basketball, which we barely ever have time to get into, and then baseball. So still a lot of stuff. Tonight, There we will have OIA girls basketball coverage between Castle and Farrington. So it is a party in Kalihi. 
And then tomorrow we will have USC men's basketball at Colorado. That game broadcast begins at 445. Game time is at 5 o'clock. Then Sunday we will have NFL wildcard action between the Dallas Cowboys and the Green Bay Packers. Broadcast begins at 1045 a.m. Game time is 1130 if that's too hard to remember, you can always go to our website at hawaiisportsradio.com and click on the program guide to get everything every week and see what we're carrying here on the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. One, uh, I want to give you guys a quick update on the Sony Open just in terms of Blaze Akana, the University of Hawaii men's golfer who is golfing in the Sony Open right now happening at Wailai Country Club. Uh, he yesterday did it too, too well. He shot... Uh, I believe it was nine over yesterday. He is currently he is currently on through three holes and has shot one under so far to make him tied for 141. So he moved up a couple of slots again as an amateur. But if you guys go out and are able to make it down today, go find Blaze and cheer him on. So he's currently on the course right now at YLI Country Club. I'll be out there this weekend, but it's because I just love to hang out and walk around get some sun I gotta get some sun as my fair skin self so that's kind of the only fun I have in um going out to the Sony Open because you, you get to hang out with people it's a fun time I do dabble in golf here and there Paul still needs to bring his clubs out here so we can get like gotta get them flown out go hack point. it uh other than that I we do apologize we don't talk a ton of golf because it's kind of last at the I like to golf. I appreciate golf, but uh, it doesn't get as dramatic as the world of college football, as you mentioned. Man, that breaking news. Kalen DeBoer, in case you guys missed it, tuning in right now. Kalen DeBoer is in contract negotiations with Alabama to replace Nick Saban and potentially leaving the University of Washington after turning around that program, getting into the national championship game. And now that UW goes into a new conference, new college football playoff um, format, man. And that's a lot to catch you guys up with. Just a few more minutes left on this show. Sierra Tango, Sierra. What's up, Paul? (laughs) Well, Koo, you'll notice, and it's a shame we don't have our our YouTube show today, but I, per usual, I am very, I I make the decision each morning to wear a relevant t-shirt to the, the day's sports news or sports events. And if you see me today, you might see me in a New York Jets shirt. And you might think, well, Paul, what do they do? They haven't done anything special. <laughs> well, that's where you're wrong, folks. The New York Jets killed Bill. They killed Bill. <laughs> Shout out SZA. Good song. Kill Bill. Go listen to it if you haven't. But, and this is why I tried to explain this to a lot of other people who were like, didn't you want the Jets to lose their final week and let the Patriots get a worse pick, blah, 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 blah. Yes. But taking, I take so much comfort in the fact that Bill Belichick's Patriots career started after writing on a napkin, I resign as the HC of the NYJ, and the NYJ (laughs) handed him a double-digit Multiple touchdown loss in New England to cap off a 4-13 and 13 <laughs> season and tie him for the most losses for a head coach in the history of the NFL. 
I take so much comfort in that. So, Bill, wherever you do end up going next, thank God it won't be in the AFC East. (laughs) I wish you all the best. I think you're a funny guy, especially now that I can admit that, now that you're not the devil of the last 24 years anymore. Oh, man, April is going to be fun. Are we on NFL draft? We were Dude, definitely it, doing extended you shows talk that about week. <laughs> my goodness, show stuff, especially with my team. In case you guys are tuning in for the first time, at the Chicago Bears doubling down at Eberflus press conference the other day. I was curious about that. Like, yeah, polls was saying like you know Justin Fields is. I don't know. I don't buy it though. I mean, you're not going to tell your guy. I mean, they're going to trade Fields. I'm going to tell you this right now. Today they is should. They December, should trade him. or not December. Today is January 12th. Justin Fields will not be a Chicago Bear next year. Not yeah. he. He'll. I, my guess is he's going to go to Atlanta, but he will not be a Chicago Bear. I was curious. Atlanta should try to get him. I was curious that they fired Luke Getze and didn't just end up clearing house. Yeah. Um, to start over and whatever, because it feels like perhaps now you're not on the same timeline. Yeah. Uh, should things go wrong next year? But that's a negative way of thinking about things, and that's not the way that Positive Paul is going to think. So it's going to be fun. The Bears got a really fun offseason. I can't wait to talk to you about them. Oh my gosh. I've been all over. Ugh. I almost can't go on the blogs anymore because it just gets too extensive, and then my mind just wanders and like think of all the possibilities. So I got to wait till. You know, they get closer to the NFL draft to really, all right, let's break this down. And what are we realistically looking at going through workouts for some of these players? But I do think they still take a chance on a rookie quarterback. That's not Drake May. It's just better just for that. (laughs) That's not Drake May. Please. (laughs) I cannot see that UNC blue. Please do not give me flashbacks. Real chance. Real chance it's going to happen. No. Real chance it's going to happen. No. But nonetheless... It's going to be fun to see what does end up happening. It's the smarter move for them to reset that rookie contract on the quarterback position, move off yeah. of Justin Fields, because I was listening to a podcast this morning actually talking about it. There's a good chance your starting number for an extension for Fields is Daniel Jones' money. That's the market. Yeah, that's the part that you want to like, pay $40 million no for a guy nope. who at best nope. might be a top 15 QB? Nope. That's why you probably yep. do it. You start again. Risk reward, baby. Let's go, Caleb Williams. <laughs> or top. Oh, yeah. Marvin Harrison Jr. officially declared for the NFL draft, what, like yesterday? That's a good thing. Mm, Odunze, we'll see. Wow, this has been a fun show. We went the whole two hours. So thank you guys for listening to us. For Paul Brecht, I'm Kule Ugbayani. Have a great weekend. Bye.